Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. I think a, a decent amount of people, uh, especially on Facebook, actually watch a lot of videos with no audio. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to create Facebook videos that will catch your prospective customers' attention, how to create ads for digital products, and the most important metrics to pay attention to when running Facebook video ads. Today, I'm joined by Gary Martin of RGGEDU. RGGEDU makes documentary-based tutorials from the best photographers and retouchers in the world. It was started in 2014 and based out of St. Louis. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Felix. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. So before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about the transition period that, that you guys went through. Talk to us about how it all began and essentially how you transitioned from where you were to the, the business that you're in today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, after college, I joined the Peace Corps. And while in the Peace Corps, I was living in Eastern Europe. And while there, I, I really wanted to make a documentary. And I didn't really know how. Um, and I went to the internet to look for some sort of online education. And it was so hard to find anything. And this is back in, I believe, 2006, 2007. Um, a camera, a specific camera just came out. And it was like the 5D Mark II. It was the first camera that allowed you to shoot photos and do video. And so we couldn't really find any information. So we had to like order books and get them actually shipped to Eastern Europe to like learn the process of documentary filmmaking and the gear and stuff like that. So, you know, when I got back from the Peace Corps, that was always in my mind of, I want to do something that helps online education that would have made it easier for me. So I was working as a digital tech and I was working in the commercial um, industry and I met my current uh, uh, co-founder and partner, Rob Grimm in the business who's you know been in commercial photography and one of the biggest food and beverage photographers in the world for 30 plus years and you know as as it happens i, I had an opportunity to take a a, a job for a, a really large company in silicon valley or go out on my own so um actually turned the job down decided to take a gamble um start a company with rob Grimm, and uh you know we we co-founded rgg edu which I, oddly enough, stands for Robin Gary's Great Education. I think we were about eight beers deep when we came up with the name and just went with it. Um, but it had started just doing behind the scenes, just kind of free videos on YouTube, just to see where it went, just to kind of nurture the idea before we actually launched the company. So for about two years, we were working with other companies and just uh, making as many videos as we could that was behind the scenes, just to gauge interest. So we wanted to kind of have it treated as a pilot to see if there was a market for it. And uh, we decided uh, that our first product at RGG EDU should be something that was the most niche. So we decided to do newborn photography with uh, Stephanie Cotta, who at the time had a pretty big Facebook following. Um, you know, this is three, four years ago when it was still organic. When you posted, like all your fans saw it, <laughs> the glory days of Facebook, as a lot of people refer to it as. Uh, so we, we launched our first product on newborn photography. And um we were both in the Bahamas at the time teaching a workshop. And I remember the day that we went live that turned our product for sale from coming soon, the orders just started pouring in. And I remember the, the Shopify app at the time just getting all those notifications of sale, sale, sale. And it was just like, oh, holy cow, like we really got to 
we really got to quit commercial photography and just focus on this. So that's really what we've been doing the last three years, just improving the website, improving our product, growing our uh, customer base, learning more about our customer base, uh, you know, what they, wh- where they're from, what they're into, what, what they want to see, um, and, and just make incremental improvements and, and just focus on the, the quality overall of both the, just the overall user experience and also the quality of our product. Got it. So you mentioned to test the waters, you guys both created uh, free videos on YouTube to see where it went. What was the thought process behind this? Like, Why come out with free videos rather than just launching with you know a paid product right off the bat? I think you have to build a, a lot of a user base and trust. And I think, you know, starting out at the time, we didn't really know exactly what we were doing. I, I did have a, a bit of experience with documentary filmmaking, but you know, for us, it was still a learning process. We were learning on how, uh, you know, people learn, why people learn. I was doing a lot of research on just the theory behind how adults learn, which is completely different than how kids in grade school learn. So for us, we were just really going back and forth on, you know, how long the video should be, how, uh, what free content should be like versus paid content, which is completely different. People expect different things. Um, and, and we also wanted to, just kind of gauge the interest overall of, of what got views, what got shared, what didn't get shared. So for the first really year, year and a half, this is like 2013 into 2014, you know, we went on uh, and taught on Creative Live, uh, which is a pretty big competitor of ours now. A um, little bit of a different product. They do live workshops in the studio. So everything is recorded live and then it's available the next day. Whereas ours is shot and planned like a live action film. And it takes us about six to seven months to come out with one product. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different process. So in that first year, year and a half, we we're really figuring out our voice, so to speak, and, and really figuring out how our product was going to differentiate in the marketplace and how we were going to be unique. Mm, and what made you realize, what, what made the both of you realize that, okay, now we're in a good spot, now we understand enough to to start selling the, selling the, the digital content rather than just offering for free? Just research what was available in the marketplace uh, three, four years ago was a completely different arena than what it is now. It's a much more crowded uh, marketplace. There's even more companies. There's you know websites like Udemy that kind of source your education from all over the place. And you know with something like that, the quality is all over the place, uh, from pretty decent to a lot of it is not not so great. Mm-hmm. Anything from just the quality of audio to just the length or the credibility of the instructor. So, you know, we essentially, you know, started with newborns because we knew that that would be the hardest to sell because the market itself is 90 to 95% women. Um, So when we came up with that product, uh, we knew that there wasn't a lot out there and we knew we had an instructor that, you know, made amazing images and it was just like, wow, how do you get the babies to do this? And like, nobody knows how to do it. And she actually spent, the better part of almost four to five years figuring that out. So we're coming from a standpoint of, all right, let, let, let's tell your story and let's help other people succeed in, in creating their own business by taking that frustration out of it. So, and, and that's why it takes us six to seven months to, to do a tutorial because we spend two to three months planning and writing. Um, and then we spend you know about a month sometimes in production, uh, including the post-production side. Um, and then just the marketing and the awareness campaigns and the, you know, the kind of the starting of the top funnel all the way down to the, you know, bottom funnel marketing. It just takes a long time. So when we first started out, 
just the research, just to answer your question in the longest way possible, just understanding the market, what's available, what's out there, um, you know, doing kind of questionnaires to 40 to 50 people, like, what do you want? What do you want to see? And just understanding the marketplace better. Yeah, well, something that's interesting that's happening in education, you, you alluded to this, is the, the commoditization of the education, right? They are, sites like Udemy are just trying to hit a, almost a quantity uh, goal of just putting as much content out there as possible, whether it be good or not, and trying to absorb people into the universe that way. Now, whether it be uh, digital content or education or any other industry, I think a lot of entrepreneurs face this where they have a product that that, that, that is obviously good, but now they have a lot of other companies, other competitors out there that are just churning out products that maybe the consumer cannot tell the difference. Now, in your situation, how do you combat that? How do you try to position your your brand, position your products in a way in a marketplace that is becoming essentially driving the prices down by producing more and more uh, content and more and more products? Sure. I, I think that's the, the short answer. It's easy. It's all about the quality of what we do. What we do is incredibly difficult to provide for other photographers that want to learn. It's really easy for one photographer to, um, you know, the, the kind of stereotypical YouTube photographer posts a video. It's about one thing and, you know, it's eight to 10 minutes long. The audio is terrible. There's only one angle. They're using jump cuts. That is everywhere. You know, with our productions, we've spent so much in set design. We spend so much time planning and it takes a small army of people to do that. So it just comes down to the barriers of entry of, of creating a quality product. Um, and that's why we have such a high um, rate of repurchase. You know, a lot of our customers will spend, you know, on average six to seven hundred dollars with us per year on two to three products. And those two to three products take a while to go through. Um, so they're learning quite a bit and they're taking away so much from our products. And we have such a high customer satisfaction rate. If you just look at our like at the bottom of our website, we're using Yachtpo as our kind of third party uh, reviewer. And it almost looks fake that we have su- such high reviews on every product. <laughs> it's almost working against us because sometimes people don't believe that we have mm-hmm. that high of a review. And it's like, you know, we spend a lot of money in production, tens and tens of thousands of dollars for every single product we make. We're, we're still a small company. We're still a small team of 10 full-time employees, but we spend a lot on a production when we go somewhere. We've been to you know, Papua New Guinea, uh, basically risked my life to make a tutorial. We've done them in Brazil. We do them on location. We don't do them, so not all of them. Uh, we've done a few, but most of them are done on location. And to bring a, a team of, you know, 10 people across the world or across the United States to do that, that's an experience that the user really loves and appreciates. It's not just Joe Schmo in his mom's basement, you know, making a, a, a video on how to shoot portraits and just kind of regurgitating other people's content. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of a lot of time researching the people that I want to work with. Um, and, and again, we're not the ones that are teaching the photography. Our products are different because we're going out there and finding unique photographers that either A, have huge followings online, or B, are legends, just simple legends in photography that have been working for 30, 40, even 50 years and have such a knowledge base that comes out in such a way that's inspirational and it's both what we refer to as the EQ side of photography, which not necessarily, you know, put your light here and set it at these settings. It's learning all the intangible things that you pick up from years and years of experience. So in a way, if we always refer to this, 
kind of similar to if you had the opportunity to to learn Christopher Nolan's process on how he makes films, wouldn't you pay for that? And you know, if you're into Christopher Nolan, the answer is hell yeah. So for the photographers that we're marketing to, we're kind of making this documentary that, you know, our products are 15 to 25 hours long on average and have about a hundred videos in the download and a bunch of supplemental materials and, uh, you know, raw files from that instructor that you can work on, uh, which nobody else really likes to do, but you know, that's something that we're known for. So we, we just give, we give everything on the table. We don't let the instructor, you know, keep a few secrets for themselves. The instructors that we work with are passionate about leaving something behind, having a legacy and passing on what they know. Um, there's kind of a, a running joke that, there's a lot of photographers or a certain part of photographers, maybe they're old school, that just they, they think they have some sort of secret, some something cornered about photography that makes their product unique. And that's really not the case. And, you know, our, our instructors are, are all just fantastic individuals that love to give back. And they have a unique product and they have a unique style. And we spend a lot of time going through that to make a product that really, like, really just cuts years off of the learning curve. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have an amazing product and often I will hear from other entrepreneurs that will say that they have an amazing product, but they just can't get people to buy. Now in those situations, is it that they do have a great product and just falling on deaf ears and it's a marketing problem? Or do you think that they should go back and revisit the product and actually make sure that it is as high quality as they, as they you know believe it is? Like, do you think that is, the solution is to always focus back on producing a greater product or is there a part of it in your situation where there's some marketing behind it where you have to get people to believe in the product to try it out for the first time and then experience the the, the amazing product and then they will buy into your your brand essentially sure um, marketing is a huge part of it you know I can't speak for everyone's products that might be great but you know, just the delivery and how you explain that product and how you convey that product. And actually, the, a website is a, a great way to do that. If, if you don't have a great experience in the first few minutes of landing on a website, you know, uh, you have a super high bounce rate, maybe, and you don't even know that you have a super high bounce rate, then that could be the reason. Your website could be the reason that's preventing people from seeing your product. So, um, you know, everyone says seven points of kind of contact and marketing is how many times it takes for someone to uh, kind of be sold on your product and, and kind of get through that that bottom level funnel. You know, that's that's why we invest so much time. And we actually haven't in the past. Like we didn't start out making free content and, and providing uh, free, free, like kind of high quantity amount of videos on YouTube or Facebook. We were so focused on making a great product, we kind of neglected a lot of the uh, the marketing tactics. And that was because there was only, at the time, there was only one or two, three uh, employees we had in the first year. And we just simply didn't have the manpower to, to do marketing correctly. So I think marketing is a huge, a huge point of contact. You have to focus on it. You have to think of everything on, you know, how do you promote your product? Uh, you know, for us, it's a pretty big investment into the trailers is what we call them. And then we also have something called super trailers uh, that we use only on Facebook and Google marketing. And that's kind of the funnel that leads them to the landing page of our products. And then they can see the master trailer, which is a little more in depth, usually four to five minutes long. Got so it. we, so now today, I mean, we're investing a lot in uh, 
everything from YouTube to Facebook to Google to retargeting. It, it's, it could be overwhelming even for a, a team of 10 people. It feels like I need 30 more people working here to do what we want to do. But it's just this never-ending um, you know, customer service and, and just staying on the ball with what does our audience want and how can we make it better. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier that that baby photography was the first topic of your of your tutorials that you guys created. Why did you decide to go niche rather than a broad topic like you know how to take portraits or something like that? Um, one is because I had access to the photographer, and two that I knew that the the product would just be absolutely huge if we could make and sell something and and have success. Uh, I think we spent overall $500 on our initial investment. And that actually, that investment bootstrapped our entire company to where it is today. And we've never borrowed money. We've never taken out loans. We don't have any VC, you know, uh, investment groups, uh, you know, (laughs) screwing with our company culture or (laughs) anything like that, so to speak. Um, So I I wanted it to be hard. I wanted to prove to ourselves that, hey, if if we can sell newborns, we can sell baby photography, that's going to make portrait photography, that's going to make fashion and editorial and commercial photography way more palatable and way way easier for us in, in the long term and just know that it's going to sell. Got it. So it's almost like a ultimate litmus test to see if you could sell this, then there is an actual market for you to, to essentially compete in. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Now, you mentioned earlier about how there is a delicate balance between free content versus paid content. And I think this is a challenge that, that a lot of uh, other store owners go through, whether they sell digital products or not. There is this always drive to create more and more content. But then, of course, you need to focus on actually creating the products that will pay the bills. Now, how do you, what do you, how do you see the, the, the balance? How do you see the difference between what kind of content should be free versus what kind of content should be paid for? Yeah, so the the content on YouTube, typically in the five to ten minute range, um, that's pretty fast paced. That gets right down to the the bare bones of it, and it's also high quality. That that seems to be a, a good trust builder with with people. Um, we didn't do that for years. We actually just recently started uh, doing that, and um, one of the the most recent things that we're finding success in is a couple things on YouTube specifically. We had been doing interviews with people. It's kind of like this podcast here. We ask a bunch of questions and you, you learn about the guest. We'd, we'd do an interview and we launch it on YouTube and the interview would be maybe a, an hour long. And people kind of tune out and whether that content was absolutely great, it has a short shelf life. It, it doesn't go very far. So what we recently started doing was let's take that interview concept and, and break that up and fire the questions at the person and break it up into 23 or 25 two minute videos. And then we have this whole arsenal of videos that we can schedule on Facebook, on YouTube, and kind of flip flop the days on when we publish them on which platform. Cause we don't, uh, we try not to, um, at, for the most part, share a video on Facebook that was made on YouTube. We like to upload natively to that platform because Facebook has made it that way that YouTube videos won't do as well. Um, so, so good for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, just investing in, in the quantity of, of content, releasing uh, free content like that, and then also mixing up your platforms. I, 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 it gives me a lot of anxiety to, to invest uh, too much into any one platform because Facebook can completely change it, it change what they're doing or, or how and what they show people at any moment. 
And we saw a lot of people get really mad and lose their audiences when they did that. So if you're fully invested in uh, your Facebook audience or your Instagram or, or whatever platform you're using, they switch that off. You better have a contingency plan of how you're going to get whatever message you have to your clients. Um, you know, email is always the, the, the safe bet. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. But just in terms of what your business is and how you're getting that content out is is important to kind of diversify your platforms. And, you know, honestly, that's, you know, more free content uh, that we make. Actually, in uh, January or February, we launched the RG EDU podcast. And we kind of looked at, all right, how are we going to make free content that's not going to, A, take us a ton of time to edit because that's extremely costly, and B, maximize uh, and kind of, keep going with our reputation for really high quality. So we attend two or three conventions every year and we're like, you know what? Let's start a podcast. Let's rent a really nice kind of suite or hotel room where that convention is at. And then let's invest a lot into scheduling people for that podcast. So we've been going to conventions now and kind of switching our strategy. We won't even go to the convention floor of whatever convention uh, we go to. We go to like Photo Plus or WPPI or even Fotokina in Germany, we don't even go to the convention. We bring all of the guests or the speakers that are at that convention, and we have a producer uh, or assistant producer go get them, bringing them up to the room. We have the whole room just usually have a bathtub full of booze and you know <laughs> coconut water and just drinks. And we do an in-person interview, and we have you know a four mic setup, and we crank out uh, usually about fifteen to twenty podcasts at a time, and then wow. we publish them on our uh, podcast website, which is actually on Squarespace. We wanted to even diversify and invest in another platform mm-hmm. and kind of rebrand that as a, a, a free content only that we're not trying to sell you anything. We just wanted to give you a, a, a valuable product that was for free. But we're actually using, in a sneaky way, we're using the buy button from Shopify on Squarespace. Mm-hmm. So all that all that information and on that customer information easily funnels into the Shopify data and then we can easily follow if that person then became a customer. But, um, you know, we allow on that Squarespace website, we allow them to download the entire season all at once instead of waiting for a new episode to come out. And then we drip them out every Wednesday on uh, uh, SoundCloud, which then feeds our iTunes and Stitcher and uh, Google feed. Mm. Yeah, obviously, I'm a big fan of podcasts. Uh, how, how has the podcast uh, helped your business? Like, what, what has it done to to uh, grow, help you grow the business? Yeah, so just kind of getting into the numbers of that, we can see a pretty big ROI on people finding out about us first on the podcast. So we can see and track whether, okay, let's say that uh, the podcast was the first product that this person uh, purchased. And then one of the apps that we use that's a plugin to Shopify that I just absolutely love is Conversio. I, I think it started as a receipt based. I think it was called Receiptful. Mm-hmm. But essentially, uh, if you download the podcast from our website, you get that uh, receipt sent to you. And in that receipt, it makes a unique one-time use discount code in Shopify. So then they get that saying, hey, you know, notice you've downloaded your product. Thank you so much for be, uh, becoming a, a first-time customer. Here is a discount code that you can use on your next product. So we can see a pretty high rate of people saying, wow, I love this podcast. There's information in the downloads that we provide that takes people to our podcast page. We have a really nice PDF that you get that kind of showcases all the products that we have and our instructors. 
so then we can follow that whole customer journey. And then just looking at the data, we do it really at the end of every month. We have a report that says, all right, how many people downloaded the podcast and how many of those became customers? So it really helps us justify the investment um, that we get uh, for for investing in one of the free products that we have, uh, that's the podcast. Very nice. So how do you get the the attention on the podcast in the first place? Is it mostly through people visiting the, the podcast-specific website or how are they finding you? Um, a couple different ways. One, we've gotten every season but the last, the very first season sponsored. The first season was kind of like our our pilot, so to speak. And we actually, I rented a... I rented a 50-person compound in Puerto Rico and kind of funded the whole trip and invited a lot of uh, influencers in the photography community. So we brought them all down to Puerto Rico, and that was kind of our pilot, and we recorded the episodes. So we started with a product, and then I used that product and shopped it around, kind of combined with our audience um, size and our you know demographic and you know, our, our core customers to sponsors. So we have our every podcast has a sponsor. So uh, that sponsor itself has a similar target market, but a different product. So they're willing to invest the money to sponsor it. And we only have one sponsor for an entire season of the podcast. And uh, they introduce, and one of our terms of agreement is they send out a newsletter to their audience to introduce, hey, here's a whole season of podcasts brought to you by, um, let's say like Smug Mug was our most recent sponsor. Um, so we get introduced to new audiences that way. Another way definitely is um, a continual Facebook ad that is either you know through retargeting on Facebook or Google, or we're targeting new audiences of who we think would be a, a right fit for downloading the podcast, um, and we do it that way. Now, how did you get sponsors for the for the podcast when it basically has no track record yet? I think just by pairing it with what the size of our company, you know, you know, we always lead with the size of our email list, things like our open rate, who our current customers are. Um, and just the sponsorship package that we put together basically lets them leave their logos and links to their website on the internet in perpetuity forever. So they've just invested in advertising that's never going to leave. And they're, they know, you know, for, I guess they have a lot of faith. They don't know that we're only going to keep growing and keep getting bigger. So, uh, just the ROI on that is good because we do direct a lot of traffic from our Shopify website um, to the actual RGG EDU podcast. Got it. So maybe for others out there that might not be as large as as your your company, start with sponsors that are more comparable to the size that that, that you're at and um, position the same way, position that as if they're not just buying ad space, but then show them that there's potential for growth and, and they're, they're partnering with someone that's actually going to help drive traffic back to them. Uh, now, one thing about uh, with, with podcasting, like you mentioned before, is that the the you're you're selling you're you're not selling them but you're you're publishing them all at once and it looks like looks like you're putting it together as like seasons well what kind of benefits have you seen from that, that approach i think with the seasons they kind of have different themes right so uh we did our most recent season that is not yet published um it's been in the can for a couple months but we have them backlogged now through october it w- was at nab um so NAB is more video based, and we were able to, for a kind of current context, you know, um, 
uh, we had a company in Australia, Atomos. Uh, they make extra video recorders and monitors. Uh, and it's products that we use. We approached them and had been building a relationship with them for about a year. They kind of pitched the idea and said, hey, you know, we'd love to do this. Um, would you be a sponsor? And could you also kind of help us get introduced to producers and directors and everyone that is kind of in the film world? Because that's that's something, that's a market that we want to go into, but that's not a market we're currently in, right? So uh, they were able to introduce us to a lot of people, and, and that season is more film-based. And then we did a, a season down uh, at in Orlando before that, which was more post-production-based. So we kind of theme the season around that, and then we use that theme of the season to narrow down uh, target marketing on Facebook based on interests um, to make it more relevant to that person. Got it. That makes sense. I like that approach. Now, you mentioned earlier about how some of the ways that you are able to demonstrate and advertise your digital content is through these trailers and super trailers. Can you uh, say more about those? Sure. So our super trailers typically are more fast-paced. They're We try and make them less than a minute. Uh, I'd say it's about 50% chance that they won't have any talking or audio from the instructor. And then we'll use text. I think a, a decent amount of people, uh, especially on Facebook, actually watch a lot of videos with no audio. Um, so either it, the super trail itself that's a minute or less, either definitely all of our videos that go online have subtitles um, or has text uh, and it's kind of a fast pace. So it, it gets your interest. It doesn't tell you enough, but it gets you kind of like, oh man, like, what did I just watch? Because if, if, if you leave them like feeling satisfied, I would say, with an ad and they like completely understand what the product is, then there's no reason for you to go to my website. Mm-hmm. If you don't go to my website, then you don't get cached in our pixel or like Facebook and Google pixel, which is constantly building an audience of people that land on uh, my product X page or product Y page. So all of the pages that we have are, are building individual audiences of pixels and traffic. So we can watch uh, that traffic kind of build and then we'll hit them with a new ad. Uh, maybe two or three weeks later, that is a different super trailer. Or maybe it's a, a unique offer that says, hey, this person has visited our website but hasn't purchased. Um, let's send them uh, X whatever advertisement with an incentive. They're not always incentive based. We don't always, we want to come off as someone that's always on sale or always, you know, offering a deal because that kind of trains the the customer to, to think that way. Um, but definitely that's something that we, we invest in, in terms of our audience building with our, our product pages. So you have some kind of funnel for your ads where if someone sees an ad, they go to your site, hit them with a different type of ad and essentially try to get them back in and purchasing. How do you have this all set up? Do you have any applications or tools that you use that are depend on to manage all of this? Oh my God, there's so many. It has taken us so long. It's taken us so long to figure out. Um, got so much, so much of our, you know, part of our team is, uh, you know, we have three people really dedicated to kind of the marketing side of it full time. And we didn't invest in that in the very beginning. I think I've probably wasted tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook advertising or, you know, advertising in general. There's always that 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 saying, uh, 50% of your advertising mm-hmm. works, but you, nobody knows which 50% that is. Um, so I think with Facebook, it's it's been really... Uh, one, a big learning curve, but two, I think, you know, a lot of people can request to get uh, a Facebook advisor. 
Um, we've even used some, you know, third-party companies that never really worked out. And at the end of the day, it's not something that another company is going to. It probably has worked for some companies, but at the end of the day, if you're your own business and you're the one behind your message, you're the one behind your marketing, you're going to have to come up with the resources to do that. So I think to answer your question, we use, for the most part, um, definitely the uh, Facebook pixels. Um, you have to have your, your website pixeled. You have to understand the back end of Facebook. Just just scour the web to understand like what everything means. Like if, if you've never been in the back end of Facebook or maybe you're just getting into it, it's overwhelming. Um, even the back end of Google, like there's so many buttons, there's so many things uh, that could be turned on or could be turned off that if you really don't know what you're doing, uh, you can waste a lot of money quickly. But if you do know what you're doing, you can really see a, a pretty high ROA on your ads um, to get people to your website, to get them to convert. So it's just something you can, if you go down that road and you start to invest in it, you have to stay on the ball and you really need someone fully dedicated to doing that because it can grow your business exponentially. Yeah. And how do you know if that's the situation? Like, how do you recognize that, okay, I have a good handle on this. Let me pour money into, into uh, Facebook ads. Like, how do you, how did you know that, that you guys are ready to scale up? Well, I, it's just looking at kind of like Google analytics. Where's, where are people coming from? How are people resonating you know, with your ads? Um, you know, we use, Things like Hotjar is uh, something I think every website owner should use. It just kind of shows you a heat map of uh, where people land on your website, um, and that's kind of when they when they arrive after the ad. I think with with Facebook ads and, and Google ads, man, it's 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 kind of hard to explain. It's been such an uphill battle understanding that. But number one is you have to break up your ad sets. Um, we don't do general ads that lead to the website, all of our ads are targeted on one specific product. That one specific product has any number of A-B testing on audiences or interests. And it takes a lot of money just to understand if an ad's going to work. I don't. I, I think one good piece of advice is if you're going to go down the road to launch ads, you're going to have to invest in understanding which audiences respond well, which age groups work well. Um, so maybe just starting with the Google Analytics of like who your customers are to then target them. And when you say which groups respond well, you know there's so many metrics that Facebook allows you to see, whether it be engagement, clicks, and of course ultimately conversions. Which ones do you uh, pay attention to early on to get a good understanding of who's actually interested? Uh, really, the only ones I look at are the cost of conversion or the the cost to checkout. So we have our, our checkout page is pixeled. Um, so that's really the only thing I'm I'm really concerned about. I I don't look in, at impressions. I think impressions is bullshit. I think there are a lot of maybe sketchy things going on with what impressions are on like you know video views. That's another thing I don't really look at. I don't really care about. Um, that, that is important. I just don't trust it with Facebook. I trust it more with YouTube. Um, and YouTube has been a, a source of traffic. We're getting a lot of interest and conversions from, and we're kind of, we're earmarking more of our budget that was for Facebook into YouTube ads. Um, but just having, a, for us, I think just having a few metrics that you watch and just watch those because there's an unlimited amount of, mm-hmm. you know, CTR, CPM, just, 
you could have metrics for everything. And, you know, I think I've, I found out the hard way, like trying to measure those takes up way too much of your time and just kind of doesn't give you a, a really good look at what's successful and why. So I, you know, our marketing team, one of the only metrics we are, one of the only goals we look at is just driving our ROA down and driving the, the cost to get someone to purchase down. And that's really the only thing we're looking at. Mm-hmm. And how long do you, what's your testing process? Do you set up uh, an, an ad set and then have your interest targeted and then wait a f- few days or a few weeks? Like what's your testing process when you are trying new interests out or new combinations out? Sure. I, you know, if we launch an ad and we don't have any conversions on it, most of our ads are conversion based. Um, we try and keep our YouTube channel as more of a, I would say kind of educational or just kind of like first impressions. And then we use Facebook strategically for more like lower level funneling and, and more uh, conversion. So I, I would say if, if the ad isn't converting within three or four days, and I think your ad budget needs to be at least maybe 50 to a hundred dollars a day. Um, you know, every single Facebook advisor that we've worked with, and even some third-party consultants kind of have the same general number of, you know, fifty to a hundred dollars a day. More if you want to find out if it's working or not sooner. So you're gonna waste you're gonna waste a little bit of money just figuring out if it works or not. And sorry, how how do you spread those fifteen hundred dollars out how, over how many different ad sets? Oh, uh, I think at any given time on Facebook, we have twenty to thirty ad sets going. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, but we definitely didn't start out that way. We've very carefully um, grown, and we've only grown because, uh, you know, when we increased our budget, we were just really methodical and really cautious um, of whether or not it was going to work or not. And you know, some ads work, some ads don't. It could be the copy, it could be the photo that was used. Uh, we could have missed our mark on the age group, but I mean, how cool is it that? We can advertise something and say, "I only want males 24 to 35 to see that mm-hmm. using that live in the United States that have an interest in X Y Z and have a uh, an annual income over seventy five thousand dollars." Like that that's unheard of today. Yeah, and how long do you give it a, a shot for each of these ad sets before you you make a decision to kill it or keep it going? I think you should definitely look at the frequency. Um, how many people have seen the ad more than once? Um, and then also it starts to trickle off. And if we start seeing our ROA get above a number that we're not comfortable with, we will, uh, we will launch a, a different super trailer with a, a slightly different approach to who's being targeted and why. So I definitely think, you know, people get kind of tired of seeing the same ad or that at that whatever ad you had might have lost its kind of, you know, initial, I don't know, uh, sizzle, so to speak. So, Every time we make a product, we usually have three super trailers, and that first super trailer is kind of earmarked for the first three months, second one for the you know third three months, and then we can kind of recycle. Uh, we, we found that videos do the best for us. We don't do much with, um, uh, let's say, photo-based ads or mm-hmm. ads that aren't moving. I think people just scroll right by those. Uh, we got to get your interest with kind of passion. We got to use audio. We got to have, you know, quick cuts. Um, and the instructor has to be saying something that resonates with you, that kind of hits a nerve with you. So video-based ads work for us. Um, I, you know, print-based ads might work 
way better for other companies with different different products. But um, definitely for us, video has been the way to go. Mm-hmm. So you look at the frequency to see if there's if this if there are too many. Basically, the, the, the users are seeing your ad too many times and they're not responding as well. Usually, is a good sign that you want to switch out the content. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's the number one thing we look at. That's something we consider. It really comes down to, you know, at the end of the month when we are looking at the numbers and we have someone, our director of marketing here is is uh, in charge of just kind of ad management on a day-to-day basis. So that's something that, you know, you have to look at every single day because if something goes wrong or if something stops converting for some reason, um, you got to know and understand why. So it really, we're just looking at the the ROA or the, the cost to con- cost for a conversion, a cost for a checkout. Um and if that starts getting too close and our margins start getting, you know, too low, then we know that hey, it's maybe let's invest in another product for now and and let this one kind of sit for a month or two, maybe a few weeks, or just you know hit up our email list or hit up another way to kind of advertise that product. Sometimes we release free sections of that product, so if you someone lands on the page, we you know have a pop up um, that comes up that is specific to that page. It says Hey, download a free section of this product that we've never released before. And they put their email in and they get sent an automatic link. So just Facebook or just Google, that's not the only thing we do. There's gotta be, there's gotta be, you know, six to ten different ways to kind of get people's interest to sign up or to view something or to just participate in your product and, and participate in and kind of your company's website or you know social media, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You said something interesting earlier about the, the the way that you approach creating the video ads, where you want to almost tease the product and get people's interest, but then not give away everything so that they feel compelled to come and learn more. Which is which is an interesting approach because when it comes to non kind of educational content or non digital content where you're selling like a, a pretty simple product, people will often show everything, show how it works, show all different angles and basically make it as if you can imagine holding that product in your, the physical product in your hands. So tell us about your process. How do you uh, explain what a little bit more about why you approach it by kind of teasing the product more than anything? I think, uh, I think a mistake we made earlier on was making the trailers, which are master trailers, what we call them. It's kind of the, the best way to explain what the product is. I think we focused too much on telling people what was in the tutorial download um, instead of really getting the instructor as the center, the centerpiece or the, the motivational or inspirational piece and getting people excited about the product and, and learning from that person. So that's something I think we got from you know feedback and we got from just us coming and critiquing our own product saying, man, this needs to be more about you know, what people are, are going to turn into from watching the product mm. because there, there's a lot of truth um, that they're going to learn a lot of valuable information from the product instead of just kind of telling people like the very traditional, simple way of, you know, in this tutorial, it comes with X amount of videos and you're going to have uh, so many hours of this and so many hours of that. So when we kind of had that aha moment in our company and we, we really started focusing and making the instructor you know, more heroic and more honest and kind of a no bullshit approach to uh, explaining what it's about. 
uh, and being more of a documentary based tutorial than just a kind of a traditional YouTube tutorial, we saw such an increase in views. We saw such an increase in uh, comments, participation, uh, just online of, of just people responding to the ad. So more emotional, more EQ based and less IQ based, I would say is is something that really drove our, our uh, master trailers to get uh, more views and actually to get people to watch the whole thing. Right, right. So basically tell the customer uh, how they will be transformed by using your product rather than putting, putting the focus on the product and what's inside of it. It's kind of, I think, this this idea or this story type of um, a hero's journey, right? Show them from the beginning yep. and what they can become. I think that's important. You want to show the benefits through that transformation rather than just talking about because, you know, obviously talking about it does not do as well as showing how they can change as a person. Yeah. Uh, now we'll talk a little bit about, about YouTube because you mentioned uh, before about how you are kind of doing this balancing act between how much you should invest in YouTube, how much you should invest in Facebook. What do you find the difference is between the type of content that needs to be produced for one platform versus the other? That's a good question. I would say, man, there's so many great YouTube channels out there that I look at and I'm like, man, I... I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think the whole the you know crazy YouTube community of like you know YouTube influencers is is inspirational to me. I, I love checking out a, a really well curated uh, YouTube page where all the thumbnails match, um, you know, and it's it's good quality content. Uh, I think the channel overall uh, on YouTube is a wise investment if you can churn out a lot of videos. And the nice thing about you know your YouTube channel is all the videos you know on your landing page are right there. Whereas with Facebook, I don't I don't think they've quite figured out mm-hmm. exactly you know how a video based company can like present their videos because it's it's the never ending, always changing timeline is what you see, and very rarely you know do you actually like a go to a, a Facebook's business page, right? So like we don't see. Um, a lot of engagement on, and not always, you know, sometimes if it's, if, if it really resonates, but if we upload a video organically and it's not paid for to our Facebook page, you know, not a lot of people are going to see that. And unless there's like, you know, a, an amazing call to action and it just hits an emotional nerve, it just doesn't get a lot of views and it's not going to be a, a great time investment on your part. And I've, we've kind of abandoned that, uh, for the most part, we we do post a few times a week on Facebook, but I think it's wiser if you're not going to put money behind your video ads to invest your time into curating and uploading to a YouTube channel. You're going to have a much higher percentage of your audience watching it. Uh, you're going to have a, a better engagement with comments, um, and it's, I think it's easier to to comment and have an, a conversation with people on YouTube than it is with Facebook. It's there's just so much. So, so much chatter on and just so much to respond to on Facebook that it's just overwhelming. Mm. So would you uh, not recommend or recommend against uh, having or running uh, YouTube video ads if you don't have a good, you know, solid presence on YouTube already with a, a large collection or library of videos? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think it depends on your product. Um, you know, the call to action at the end of your ad is going to take people to your website Mm-hmm. Um, if you set it up that way, I think if you're trying to sell someone on something or get them to convert on whatever it is you want them to convert on, 
if if you take them to your landing page, if you don't have a, a big YouTube following, that's that, I think that's completely fine. Got it. Now, how are the, the how's the ad buying experience or targeting different on YouTube compared to Facebook? Well, it's all tied in with Google, so it's I mean it's it's under the Google wing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much the same thing. The backends are they essentially tell you the same thing. Um, Google has been at the game way longer, um, and it's been a little of a, a bit of a brutal process. With uh, we've been with Facebook since they launched it. In the early days of Facebook ads was frustrating. Like you had to you had to download the power editor and it could only be on the Google Chrome and you couldn't mm-hmm. do it on Safari and uh, the back end just didn't really tell you. It didn't have the columns that you wanted to to understand. You couldn't uh, and you still can to this day um, basically do A B testing on uh, or get reporting. Let's say I, I launch an ad and I want to know. Uh, basically use eight interests of people that like a certain page. I can't launch those interests or get feedback on those interests under one ad and get um, like understand if oh people from that liked this page uh, did way better than people that liked that page. I have to launch eight different ads mm-hmm. and then A, B, test them all against each other to do that. And it's like, Facebook, you could easily make this happen, but you're doing it so I have to invest way more money into each ad. Uh, so... YouTube is YouTube under Google has been it's just been at the game longer, so it's a, a much better experience. But I think I read recently that like twenty percent of the internet's traffic is Facebook, and mm-hmm. people are just completely addicted to it. So that's where people are at. And if you know you catch people where they're at, and it's you know relevant to them, uh, Facebook you know for us has been uh, a a bigger and uh, a better return on our investment than Google. You know, early on with Google, we started investing in search terms and we were researching keywords and what are people searching for to learn photography? And we really came to the conclusion after I'd say six months and thousands and thousands of dollars wasted that the people that were looking for those, the, 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 let's say like how to dodge and burn, they're looking for a free YouTube video on how to dodge and burn and they don't want to come to, you know, our page or see our ad, which takes them to a product that's $300. So we were, we were seeing a, just a very, very, very small margins. And it was just a, a kind of a, I wouldn't say complete waste of money because we learned a lot from it and we learned not to invest in, you know, uh, search terms like that. Um, so it was valuable in that sense, but you know, Facebook for us has been a, a much bigger ROI up until YouTube. YouTube is a close second for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one, one challenging thing I think when you're competing in an in industry is that you're competing for, you know, photographers, videographers, and they, the people, the other companies that are trying to advertise to them are selling very expensive products, right? Probably your your products are are, are high priced, but you know you'll see that people are selling camera equipment. It, it can range into the thousands of dollars. Now, because you're competing with people that have such higher uh, price points, does that affect how you? You run your ads, like who you target. Like how do you think about your competition? How much they're pouring into trying to reach the same people as you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for us, we have a little bit of wiggle room because our products are uh, three hundred dollars. If if our products were nine ninety nine, it I mean the margins get so small. I think mm-hmm. just with investing with with investing in marketing, 
if you have a really cheap product, you better have a, a huge, just very general audience. Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna waste. Well, I wouldn't say waste, but you're gonna invest a lot of that money into, uh, or I would say your your margins are gonna get eaten pretty quickly because it, it's it's just costly to advertise on Facebook. There's a lot of com- competition. There's a lot of other ads out there, um, and it, it just takes a certain threshold of money to convert. So I think with us, we are on the higher side of pricing, uh, but I think it matches our quality. Um, a lot of our competitors, I mean, you could say, you know, Joe Schmo that makes wedding tutorials and it just makes them about his own wedding tutorials and he sells them for $9.99 online and it runs a Facebook ad. Um, you know, it sells it for ninety nine. He might he might do great, and his margins might be fantastic. But I think in the long term, if you just have you know one product, um, it's going to be harder to do and have a harder shelf life for longevity in your company. Got it. Now, when it comes to running the business, uh, it sounds like you have these systems in place that you develop over time. Can you share any tools or applications that you are you know a big fan of that have helped contribute a lot to your success? Yeah, I think you know overall. Just the back end of Shopify saves us a lot of time on, on, you know, easily exporting reports and it actually recently got way better. So, um, that's, I think saved us quite a bit of time. Um, I think number one overall, you just need to have a really good CPA, <laughs> someone that you meet with on a regular basis to go through the numbers and, um, just let you know or give you the assurance of, you know, yes, this is working. This isn't working. You can hire this person. Um, so I think every business owner, number one, if, if you're going to be in this for the long term, like put off the accounting to someone else. I, we, we made some mistakes early on trying to adopt or use, um, some online accounting, uh, systems that we thought we could use to, to save some money. And that ended up costing us way more money in the long run. Uh, so <laughs> I would say number one, definitely invest in a CPA, um, I think some other systems in place where we're, we're trying to figure out, I think we're looking for a smart business intelligence program that really kind of automates um, a lot of the spreadsheets and a lot of the graphs that we make at the end of every year. But we haven't quite found that for our, our company size. It, it does exist, but it's incredibly expensive because mm-hmm. um, it would be great for us just to have an automated report that says, here are all your ad sets and here's the ROA on or the cost to convert on every single ad. And here's how many conversions you had this month. If I can easily get that report um, just by hitting a button, that saves me so much time because we, we have to invest a lot of time into just going through the numbers. Um, so being able to export that in Shopify, then import into Excel, and then just to look at the numbers is, is time consuming and that just costs you money. So we're definitely looking for some good business intelligence tools to to kind of do that and automate that process. Um, you know, but other than that, I would say just to automate our business on the back end, I wouldn't say we have too many things that automate. I think we just kind of separate days of the week, times of the month where we all get together and just have to knuckle down and spend a large part of our time making sure that, you know, what we're investing in is working and just, you got to put in the work. I mean, my, Rob and I have been working eight days a week <laughs> since this thing started. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's totally worth it. I think working for yourself a hundred hours a week is better than working for someone else 40. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything, but you know, if you're, if you're going to be in that entrepreneurial mindset, then 
I mean, you got to bust your ass. So uh, I'm hoping the hard work pays off for future Gary. And uh, I, I think it will. Awesome. Great message. Thank you so much again, Gary. So rggedu.com is the website. Where do you want to take this next? Like what's our, what are some of the big goals for next year? Oh, the big goals for next year, I think we're getting more into motion. So uh, just kind of transitioning and telling uh, the story of some some famous directors. Also, just meeting some some of my idols um, uh, uh, in photography and, and telling their story. I'm a huge a huge fan of like programs on uh, shows on Netflix like uh, Chef's Table, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd love to kind of you know keep incorporating really high quality documentary content that really just motivates other photographers or business owners that need to shoot their own product photography. And, you know, they find a $300 tutorial that allows them to shoot their own, you know, product photography for their own website or their Etsy store or whatever that may be. Um, I think if we just keep providing value and we keep getting that, that feedback, we're going to be able to grow and we're going to be able to make more of these, you know, tutorials for uh, other people at a, at a faster rate. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time again, Gary. Yeah, thank you, Felix. I appreciate you having me. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. And when you work with artists that are just set on their own vision and they don't understand that they're actually being hired and it's somebody else's vision, it's a challenge. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.